Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. We'll talk today about the Republican field for governor in the upcoming August 2nd primary. Who's running? Who's out front? And what role former President Donald Trump is playing in the various campaigns? Then we'll discuss what's happening in Wayne County outside the city of Detroit with legislative and congressional races there. It's all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. And as always, thanks for tuning in. The Republican primary election race for governor started out pretty rough. The leading candidates at the time, former Detroit Police Chief James Craig and businessman Perry Johnson, both got mired in a signature fraud scandal that derailed their official campaigns. Now there are a slate of new candidates who are making waves in the race. One of them was jailed for participating in the January 6th insurrection, and several others have absolutely embraced the controversial politics of former President Donald Trump. The new candidates in debates are hitting the pavement, and they are Ryan Kelly and Tudor Dixon, Ralph Rebrandt, Kevin Rinke, and Garrett Saldano. All of them have this real challenge of trying to kind of separate themselves from the pack among Republican voters. And that's really difficult right now, given the influence that Donald Trump still has on GOP politics. Do you embrace him fully to maybe get his endorsement and possibly win the primary election with his supporters and then risk the backlash that you might face in the general? Or do you try to distance yourself from those politics and risk Republican voters not being excited enough to vote for you next Tuesday on August 2nd? To talk about all of this, how the candidates are doing, who's in the lead, and the chances that any of them might unseat Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the fall is Jonathan Osting. He is a political reporter who covers the Capitol for Bridge, Michigan. Jonathan Osting, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. So this is one of the more interesting races uh, coming up to August 2nd. Uh, Let's talk a little about the shape of this race, and again, this question about the influence of the former president on at least the the, the campaigns themselves. It seems to me that the key question for most of these candidates has been about the 2020 election. It's kind of a litmus test in this race. Either you believe that Donald Trump won that election and can get applause from some Republican voters because of it, or you're willing to say, hey, he actually lost, and then you're risking a backlash from those same Republican voters. Talk about what's uh, what the dynamics look like in this race with less than a week to go. Yeah, well, it's really interesting. Um, Kevin Rinke, he's a Farmington, uh, or sorry, Bloomfield Township businessman. He is the only candidate left in this field who is not completely convinced, or at least says he's not completely convinced that Trump actually won Michigan in 2020. So the other four candidates have all said they think that the former president uh, won here, even though he lost by 154,000. 188 votes officially. So Rinky, however, has really tried to still court Trump voters and even court Trump himself. So he um, 
although he he stands out on that one position front. He's ran television ads um, suggesting that dead people always vote for Democrats, so sort of playing on the um, conspiracy theories still about the 2020 election. Um, And he's run ads uh, more explicitly comparing himself to Trump as an outsider businessman who can, uh, you know, do the equivalent of making America great again in Michigan. Um, He's also spent a lot of money attacking Tudor Dixon, Uh, because she's backed by Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos, of course, worked in the Trump administration as the U.S. uh, Education Secretary, but she resigned after the January 6th insurrection and has more recently publicly acknowledged that she and other cabinet members discussed invoking the 25th Amendment to try and remove Trump from office after the insurrection. So um, Rinky is essentially trying to have it both ways, even though he's the only candidate who uh, says he's not convinced the election was rigged. So, I mean, that just goes to show you even that the one candidate that has distanced himself from those claims is still clearly trying to court voters who believe those conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. Hmm. Um, let's talk about the field here and who's in it and who's not. As I said in the open, James Craig and Perry Johnson seemed uh, a bit ago like the heavies in this field, that they would be the, the, the candidates to beat. Of course, neither of them was able to make the official ballot because of this uh, signature fraud scandal. Um, talk a little about the the range, I guess, of candidates in these in this field, and the issues other than Donald Trump that uh, that they're using to try to attract voters. Sure. Well, I think it's pretty interesting how the field shook out once, um, you know, as you mentioned, James Craig Perry Johnson and a couple other candidates too were removed from the ballot. It left us with sort of. Uh, you know, two real hardcore grassroots candidates in Garrett Saldano and Ryan Kelly, who have sort of been competing for the same uh, voter base this entire primary. You know, they both rose to fame um, protesting the governor's pandemic policies. And of course, Ryan Kelly um, was arrested recently for um, his participation in protests out the, outside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, And then you were left with um, Kevin Rinke, who's a businessman who's, you know, arguably the most similar to a traditional Republican in this race. You know, I mean, he is he is probably far to the right of where Rick Snyder was eight years ago, but he's the closest thing to a traditional Republican left in the race. But then Tudor Dixon, who started out really really focusing on the MAGA crowd and trying to compete for those same grassroots voters, has since, uh, you know, Craig and Johnson were moved to the race, really been embraced by the establishment Republicans, the DeVosses of the world, the big money donor class, the Michigan Chamber, um, groups like that, Right to Life of Michigan. So you, you're left with these sort of two more, somewhat more establishment lane candidates, two grassroots candidates, and then Ralph Rebant, who is, um, you know, not polling particularly well, but has said he's, uh, you know, the only candidate trying to take the church lane. He's a retired pastor, and he's spent a lot of time um, trying to court religious voters. Hasn't been super successful as of yet. But, um, yeah, those dynamics have proved really interesting. I mean, as far as issues, um, you know, the, the 2020 election is an issue. But really, for a lot of these candidates, culture war issues have come to the forefront. Um, Tudor Dixon, as I mentioned, she's she's led in polls of the races uh, of the race. She's. I uh, spent a lot of time talking about, you know, so-called indoctrination in public schools and how she wants to fight that. She's uh, joined lawmakers at the Capitol for introduction of a bill that would prohibit um, public schools from sponsoring um drag shows for students, which um, lawmakers admitted they have no evidence has ever happened in a public school in Michigan. Um, but those sort of issues, you know, sort of the red meat for the Republican base um, have really taken, uh, have really come to the forefront in this race. And, you know, Republicans seem to be um, really interested in running on those sort of issues nationwide. We saw um, in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, the, the current governor now, won election in part by really focusing on, you know, you know, what he called critical race theory, or really just the way that race 
um, and history is taught in public schools, and that was successful for him. So you're seeing Republicans across the country, uh, and definitely here in Michigan, sort of try and replicate that by focusing on you know parental rights and things like that in in schools. Hmm. So I, we've got a couple of cuts from a recent debate that the Republican candidates for governor had that I think highlight some of the issues that you were just talking about that they're really focusing on. Our first one is Garrett Saldano talking about critical race theory. CRT is being taught in these schools. I don't care what they say. And we all know that CRT is a fundamental racist belief system fueled in the faulty ideas of Marxism. Along with CRT, they're also teaching gender and sexual theory, which is quite comical because you can't talk about sexuality in the workplace because that's sexual harassment. But they're saying that it's deemed essential to these kids. Okay, that was Garrett Saldano talking about uh, critical race theory and uh, what he thinks is going on in terms of gender discussion and uh, what he would call, I guess, indoctrination in schools. We also have a clip from uh, Ryan Kelly, who is a candidate who was arrested recently for his involvement in the January 6th insurrection, uh, but is still a candidate uh, in the race. We have to understand that assault is an action and it's not an object. So to say that these are assault weapons, uh, they, they just sit there unless somebody else assaults someone with them. So we need to get away with these baseless claims of these being assault weapons, first and foremost. Okay, that was Ryan Kelly, a gubernatorial candidate on the Republican side, uh, talking about uh, assault weapons at a recent debate among the Republican hopefuls. Uh, this is uh, Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jonathan Osting, an award-winning Michigan political reporter who covers the Capitol for Bridge, Michigan. He wrote a piece this week titled, James Craig Seeks to Stay in Michigan Governor Race, says campaign was defrauded. Uh, Jonathan has been covering the Republican field of candidates for, uh, for governor pretty closely. Um, we want to hear from you during the conversation as well. Uh, are you planning to vote in next Tuesday's uh, August 2nd Republican primary for governor? Uh, are you looking at these candidates and finding somebody who really appeals to your sensibilities or to your points of view? Uh, what is it about the candidate that you've chosen that you decide is uh, the thing that, that will make you cast a ballot? For them. Also, give us a sense of what you think of uh, James Craig and Perry Johnson being disqualified from uh, the official ballot, at least, uh, because of the signature fraud scandal that uh, enveloped both of their campaigns. As always, the number here on the phones is 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET. Uh, actually, no, don't go to the WDET Facebook page anymore. Just go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we, can work you, we can work you into the conversation uh, that way. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to put you under a little bit of pressure here. Tell me who you feel has the advantage in this field as of right now. I know uh, a lot could happen over the weekend. We could hear from President Donald Trump, I suppose, about who his favorite is in the race. And I think that would have a lot of influence over some voters. Uh, but, but who appears to have uh, control, I guess, of, of the race at this point? Well, I'm not trying to be evasive, Stephen, but I really don't know. I mean, I think they're, I think the four candidates, you know, Kelly, Soldano, Dixon, and Rinky all legitimately have a path to victory. I mean, we know that, um, you know, in some recent polling, almost 40% of voters were still undecided. So what we know from the polls isn't all that convincing because mm. so many likely voters still hadn't made up their mind and could go in a lot of directions. Now, traditionally, um, you know, big spending on television in the final week of the race is a way to uh, reach a lot of those undecided voters. And certainly um, Kevin Rinke and Tudor Dixon have the advantage there. Both their campaigns have uh, more money or in the case of Dixon, she has super PACs that are um, raising and spending a lot of money on her behalf. Um, so they're going to be able to get their message out more widely. Um, at the same time, uh, the Democratic Governors Association just launched an ad specifically uh, targeting Dixon, an attack ad criticizing her 
Um, so they clearly are trying to <laughs> knock her down a peg. Arguably, that suggests they think she's the most formidable cha- formidable challenger to Gretchen Whitmer in the fall. Um, so she's the only candidate at this point they're running ads attacking. So that could uh, sort of counteract some of her um, last minute spending in this race. So. I mean, you know, I said in 2016, after 2016, sorry, that I would never uh, get in the business of predicting um, the outcomes of elections after, you know, Trump scored a surprising victory over Hillary Clinton after trailing in the polls here in Mm -hmm. Michigan. So uh, I'm certainly not going to change that stance here in 2022 when uh, we really do have a pretty clear toss up at this point. Yeah. Uh, What about the prospect of a Trump endorsement. I would imagine that some of the candidates are trying to solicit that kind of support. Uh, is it is it something that's likely to happen? Is it uh, or is he maybe going to even stay out of this? Well, I think it's increasingly likely that he's going to stay out of it. But of course, we know the former president is very mercurial and can change his mind uh, and decide to, um, you know, uh, take his own course of action pretty quickly. I mean, we know when he endorsed um, Bill Schuette in 2018, the Schuette campaign even had no idea that was coming. And in fact, Trump misspelled his name in a tweet. So uh, he doesn't have access to Twitter anymore, of course. So um, you might have to be a little bit more deliberate with this. But um, you know, he, he did put out a statement this week um, touting his endorsement record in other states and noting that people in Michigan are still asking him to endorse, but he has not done so. Um, notably, um, several candidates, uh, most locally Garrett Saldano, uh, who was himself, uh, you know, through surrogates courting a Trump endorsement, has now publicly said and publicly pleaded with Trump really to stay out of the race at this point. Um, and uh, let the voters decide. So uh, I think, you know, with just, uh, you know, a number of days left before the primary, that's the most likely scenario here is that Trump does not endorse in this race. But um, anything could happen with Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also wonder if there is a difference in support uh, according to geography. Uh, this is a big state, of course. Uh, the, the candidates in this race come from many different parts of the state. Is that one of the things that uh, that seems to be lining up support for people or not? Or, or is this really just about, uh, I guess, the range of the candidate stances on issues? Um, I mean, certainly we've seen some of the the more grassroots candidates like Garrett Saldano and, and somewhat uh, Ryan Kelly are pulling better in sort of uh, what you call outstate areas, so not Metro Detroit, you know, the rest of the state, the, the wide uh, rural um, swaths across the state that are traditionally deep red. Um, Tudor Dixon uh, has pulled fairly well in the Metro Detroit area where, um, you know, the Republicans, um, you know, there might be more of the so-called traditional Republicans uh, still uh, participating in the GOP primary. And, you know, and a lot of it, too, depends on where candidates like Rinky and, and Dixon, who have money, have been uh, going up on television, you know. Mm-hmm. Um We've seen that, you know, Dixon, her campaign, or Super PAC, sorry, supporting her, has run a lot of ads in the metro Detroit area. And then you see, you know, she's doing fairly well there. So, um, you know, yeah, there's there's definitely geographic areas. I mean, that obviously will be much, much more pronounced in the general election than it is right now in the primary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to some listeners and, again, encourage folks. I know we've got uh, Republican listeners here at Detroit Today. Really want to hear from you about what you think about this field, how you're making your choices. I think it's important to to have that discussion and and you know uh, and talk about the things that are going on inside uh, that party. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's start with Brad in Rochester Hills. Brad. Hey, Steve. It's great to be with you today. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I am uh, voting for Kevin Rinke in this uh, coming Tuesday's August uh, uh, primary on the uh, Republican ticket. And uh, I'm uh, well pleased of uh, what uh, he's accomplished as a businessman. Uh, he has uh, possible connections uh, 
um, right uh, with the uh, Rinky Automotive Group that serves uh, several GM dealerships in the Warren and Centerline area. And he might be any relation to one of the Rinkies I was in, uh, I was business partners with, at least on the cross line section. Uh, he was part of uh, the same uh, line when I had my own uh, Amway business uh, as an independent business owner uh, back in the 90s. And I'm uh, also excited that uh, he's uh, taking a stand for uh, uh, his uh, conservative, uh, traditional Republican values that need to be restored, not only in Michigan, but also in this country. Uh, Brad, I- I'm glad you called and and shared how you're planning to vote and and why. I-, I wonder if you can talk just a little about how you're making sense of how the candidates respond to former President Donald Trump and how they interpret what happened in the 2020 election and what happened on January 6th of 2021 when, uh, when you know, a lot of people tried to derail the process of, of certifying that election. Do you, are you comfortable, I guess, with the way Kevin Rinke uh, describes those events? And, and is that one of the reasons that you've chosen him over, over some of the others? Well, I may not uh, be uh, fond of uh, how he handles uh, what uh, happened to the uh, November 2020 election, even though I personally believe that the election was rigged, uh, which caused uh, um, President Biden to uh, uh, get uh, elected by mistake, which was a grave mistake. And it really uh, caught a lot of our uh, caught a lot of my fellow uh, Trump supporters off guard even though uh, uh, the other candidates uh, like uh, Tudor Dixon and uh, Garrett O'Donnell uh, would uh, uh, believe it, uh, that the uh, election was rigged. So, so Brad, I'm sorry, you, you, you believe that the election was rigged or you believe it was not? It, it was. Uh, you know, it, it uh, wasn't um, what I was uh, turning out to be because uh, – I supported uh, Trump not only in the general election in 2016, which he won, but also in November 2020, when he had the potential to go for his second run. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turned out it was a sheer loss, uh, as well as a savage blow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brad, I really appreciate you calling and sharing your thinking about this. Uh, uh, Jonathan, we've got about a minute and a half left before we need to take a break, but uh, respond to, to what Brad's saying. I, I think I hear a lot of what he's saying echoing in other conversations that I'm having with with Republicans who are looking at this field. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting um, perspective, certainly for voters who do believe Trump's claims about the 2020 election um, and, and, you know, are looking at the field. They have to decide if that's the most important issue to them. I mean, in the case of Kevin Rinke, uh, as the caller said, as Brad said, uh, Rinke has really touted his business acumen. You know, he did um, uh, take over his family's Rinke automotive chain and then sold it to Roger Penske. He then, uh, you know, went into some other businesses and was quite successful and has a lot of money. So even though he hasn't, uh, you know, uh, fully backed Trump's claims about the 2020 election, he's certainly, um, you know, positioned himself as a Trump-like figure who can come in and um, knows how government works uh, more than some of the other candidates. It's important to remember none of these candidates, none of the five have any experience in elected office. But Rinky says his business experience means he's had to work with Lansing. He's he's had to advocate for policy reforms. He knows how uh, the system works. Um, So, you know, those are similar claims that Trump made, you know, when he said – you know, asked about donating to Democrats in the past. Trump said, well, you know, that's how you play the game. And uh, Rinke has said the same thing, not about Democrats, but about donations to Mitt Romney that he made in 2012, for instance. So um, he's certainly, uh, you know, running in that businessman lane, mm-hmm. somewhat similar to Rick Snyder, um, but without the, the um, friendly nerd <laughs> persona <laughs> right, to go along right. with it. Yeah. Okay, Jonathan Osting, political reporter for Bridge Michigan. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on to talk about the Republican field and the gubernatorial race next Tuesday. Absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Wayne County. 
outside the city of Detroit. How the new legislative lines and congressional lines affect people there and uh, what we expect on August 2nd. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Bringing you news that matters. Stories that impact your life. Music from the Motor City and around the world. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are continuing today to talk about all of the races and campaigns and issues that are coming up for us to vote on next Tuesday, August 2nd, uh, at the ballot. Uh, We've spent the past few weeks previewing elections all across uh, southeast Michigan. We have looked at both Oakland and Macomb counties and elections touching the city of Detroit to understand how our area is likely to change after redistricting. But what about the rest of Wayne County? There is an awful lot of Wayne County that is uh, not part of the city of Detroit. And as the home to the state's largest city, there's no doubt that Detroit still holds, holds such an important place in Wayne County politics, but it is not everything. The majority of Wayne County's residents, in fact, almost two-thirds, live outside the city of Detroit. And if you removed Detroiters from the equation, the county would still only trail Oakland County in population. It is a very, very substantial presence in our state. The truth is Wayne County is a large and diverse area. It includes the points in the east, Canton and Livonia to the west, with places like Taylor and Trenton to the south. And the cities within Wayne are expressing themselves politically. Last year, for the first time ever, Gross Point Park elected a woman as the city's mayor, and Arab-American mayors were elected in Dearborn, Dearborn Heights, and Hamtramck. And now with the redistricting, cities within the county are finding themselves sharing representatives with new neighbors. With all of those changes happening in Michigan's largest county, what will the impact be on the races for the state legislature and for Congress? Is this an opportunity for Wayne County residents outside of Detroit to exercise more influence? And what races should we be focused on? with the primaries just around the corner. That's where we continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And we've got two really great guests to talk about what's going on in Wayne County. Robert Facano is the former sheriff and the former executive of Wayne County. He had more than 30 years experience in countywide politics and is one of the more familiar names uh, in southeast Michigan. Bob, thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. Stephen, it's been a long time. It's uh, great to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, it has been a long time. Uh, we're also joined by John Knappman, who is the Wayne County Board of Canvassers member and the former president of the Down River Bar Association. He is a consultant and an analyst. Uh, John, thank you for uh, joining us here on Detroit Today. Hey, great to be here. And uh, I used to be on the board of canvassers. Thank God I was not on the board of canvassers <laughs> last time around. I was gonna say I thought you you I thought you got off of that in time for yeah. for all the nonsense, right? Yeah, <laughs> I you know, we had a little bit of controversy, but geez, uh you know, yeah. <laughs> um so so I, I wanna start with just kind of an overview of Wayne County and how it's changed over time outside of the city of Detroit. It's not the same place, Bob, that it was when you were running for county executive. So, so, so give us just an overview on what that change looks like, what's driving it, and, and how it kind of shows up in the politics there. Yeah, there had always been sort of uh, Detroit versus uh, not only uh, out county, but also what we refer to as out county, but also uh, out out of state. 
And I think there's been more diversity that has now started to filter into uh, Wayne County. But at the same time, uh, at least surprisingly, at least the first time uh, when he ran in 2016, there was quite a uh, turnout for Trump, uh, both uh, probably downriver, which John could talk a little bit more about, and uh, Western Wayne County, uh, where his presence was uh, actually uh, uh, felt. And I think people were frustrated. Uh, and I think that's one area that they turn to. And uh, so you're seeing more of a presence of that. Uh, I think um, that uh, the governor, uh, our current governor, uh, has done a good job in, in trying to solidify uh, the base in Wayne County. She's been sensitive not only to Detroit, but to uh, parts of uh, Western Wayne County and, and downriver. And you, you, a lot of times you'd rather be lucky than good. I think the gubernatorial candidates for the Republicans are, are pretty weak in what looks like might be a, you know, red wave that's uh, coming nationally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, John, uh, give us your assessment of how Wayne County is changing and what the state legislative and congressional district lines, which are different now, uh, what they will will kind of produce out of out of these these changes in Wayne County. Oh, boy, howdy, are those lines different. <laughs> uh, super different, right? You know, um, first of all, yeah, I agree with Bob. The uh, congressional, the uh, first of all, the gubernatorial line, uh, candidates for Republicans. Um, I think uh, Governor Whitmer, if you had to ask her, how could this work out in your favor? I don't think she could have come up with this kind of uh, scenario. Hmm and asked for it, um, because the strongest candidates got knocked off, um, and she's basically fielding a group of people. And oddly enough, the ones who probably could be the strongest out of this group won't make it past the primary um, with the way things are going. Uh, so she's in really good shape the way things are coming. I, I do think downriver especially... Um, those voters are susceptible to the kind of things that motivated them to go to Trump. Um, some of the frustrations um, that four years ago that they felt um, Trump echoed. It, people think, oh, Donald Trump came up with this and said this and they followed him. No, I think, I think it's, it's more uh, clear as we go along that Donald Trump was following a ground-up effort in the Republican Party uh, among people who were coming together on certain issues, and Trump was echoing what they were saying to him through polling and through things. I mean, when he finally, you know, uh, said at rallies, you know, I developed this vaccine and I'm distributing it. They were booing him um, hmm. because they already had their ideas about vaccines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is, and they could just as well move on to somebody else who also echoes the, what we call the Trump cult beliefs, um, but I think they could just as well shift to somebody like DeSena or uh, down in Florida um, or other candidates um, and move on to other people that also share those same beliefs. And I think also that follows in Downriver, yeah. that there's some people who are part of that belief system that they could shift to other people. And the, the voters who are of that ilk... Um, in the primary, in the legislative races, it's the same thing. Um, a lot of the legislative candidates are trying to out-Trump out each other uh, for that same reason, because you don't win in a Republican legislative primary by being a moderate. You run to as far close to the Trump uh, ideal as you can. Um, you know, and that's what they're doing. They're all trying to get to the far right, uh, not just conservative. They're, they're conservative, and a lot of my friends are conservative, and I don't have a problem with that at all. 
um, you believe, you know, small government, lower taxes, whatever, um, you know, guns, abortion, though they, they're all basically the same on those issues. So then you get to who can get to the, the far extreme on issues like, well, we shouldn't mail out absentee ballot applications early. And then you get to, well, maybe we shouldn't have mail out absentee ballot applications at all. And we should eliminate ballot collection boxes. And, you know, who can come up with the most ideas that their (laughs) Trump base wants to go for? And those are the things that people are going to in the primary, which makes for, you know, these people are saying things. And I would assume the Democratic Party uh, is sending people to their events to hear them and record them so that when the general election comes along, um, these things are already on tape. Yeah, it'll be hard to run from some of what uh, some of the people are saying in the fall. And I think that's always a, a challenge in, in primaries is how do you appeal to the base, but then not alienate, alienate uh, you know, potential swing voters in the, in the fall. Um, uh, Bob Ficano, I want, I want to talk a little about uh, a really interesting dynamic in Outwayne County, and it is the growing influence of uh, Arab American voters and, uh, in some cases, Arab American politicians. I know that when you were Wayne County executive, of course, this was uh, a demographic that was growing. You spent a lot of time uh, advancing uh, people in your administration who uh, were of Arab American heritage. It's it's really something, though, to now see that this is a formidable part of uh, the, the 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 voters in in Wayne County. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, uh, Stephen, because uh, not only uh, are they putting people in elected office now, and we've seen that in Dearborn, Dearborn Heights, as well as uh, Hamtramck, uh, but they also have economic power, uh, financial power. They're they're starting to contribute uh, money and to influence races. Now, it the, the when they split up uh, the districts, it's it's interesting because. Now, uh, Rashida uh, Tlaib has uh, jumped into the 12th district, and she's got a cross current now that is probably going on because some of it includes Livonia, mm-hmm. and then it crosses over into what would be a, a natural base for her, which is Dearborn and Dearborn Heights and in parts of uh, Detroit. But some of her stands uh, have uh, become controversial in areas such as Livonia, such as the, the emphasis on defunding the police. Uh, uh, one interview that said all the federal prisons uh, should be empty within 10 years and things like that. Uh, But at the same time, culturally, uh, she's viewed very strongly. And uh, but uh, someone like uh, Janice Winfrey has uh, benefited in terms of a lot of the Jewish money has now gone because of her stance uh, Mm -hmm. in, in Congress to push up against her. And you're seeing some of these dynamics play out uh, because now she doesn't just have Detroit or uh, parts of Dearborn. She she crosses into those areas, but also has areas such as Livonia and things like that, where they're not going to be as prone to uh, uh, some of those uh, issues or sympathetic to defunding the police and and uh, letting a lot of people out of prison and, and things such as that. So yeah. she's she's got to deal with that. I noticed that she has really stepped up her uh, advertising with it, uh, Janice Winfrey has mailed a lot, yes, and I has. think she's gotten that from uh, uh, from the the Jewish uh, packs that are there. And uh, it, it's interesting because uh, the Jewish packs seem to be playing not only in the Stevens and, and Levin race, but they're also playing. It looks like in the uh, 13th district a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh in, yeah, in the city of Detroit that crosses over into uh, you know certain of these areas, and so they they've these new districts where uh, when the lines were cut, uh, probably uh, de-emphasized Detroit. And, they, and it might, there was an argument going on whether it helped the Democrats, maybe it helped the Democrats a little bit more that they'll be able to get more House seats, the state of representative seats and Senate seats. But at the same time, uh, is there actually going to be an African-American that comes out of the uh, congressional delegation here in the state of Michigan? And you got one of the you know uh, biggest African-American cities 
in in the state, if not in the United States. Well, obviously, it is in the state, but in the United States. And so um, a lot of those dynamics are playing out in Western Wayne and probably, as, as John has seen, uh, downriver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we are gonna continue talking about Wayne County and how it's changing, and of course how the new districts will reflect that change uh, on August second when we all go to the polls. We want to hear from you during the conversation as well. What are your priorities this election season? You're a voter in Wayne County, outside of Detroit. Tell us what you think of the new districts. Are you satisfied? with the candidates you see running in your district and what kind of candidate do you want to see run for office in your area of southeast michigan give us a call 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones that's 313-577-1019 you can also go to facebook or to twitter put comments there and uh, we'll work into the conversation we'll be right back with more detroit today Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests right now are Bob Ficano, former sheriff, former Wayne County executive. Uh, also with us is John Knappman, an attorney and former president of the Downriver Bar Association. We're talking about Wayne County outside the city of Detroit, where, in fact, most of the people who live in Wayne County actually live. Uh, they are also affected, as we have talked about before on the program, uh, by the redistricting, by demographic changes that are happening in our state and the effort by a Citizens Redistricting Council to draw lines that reflect our communities and our interests. Uh, we're talking about what will happen on August 2nd when we vote for the first time under these new maps. Uh, we want to hear from you as well during the conversation. Uh, give us a call and tell us what you see in these districts. If you live in Wayne County outside the city of Detroit, who are the candidates who excite you? Uh, do you like the district that you are living in now? Do you think it uh, represents common interests with you and the other people in that district. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to social media, to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, guys, before we get to our listeners, I want to talk about two specific races in Outwayne County. The fourth uh, legislative district is uh, is the first one. Uh, you've got a bunch of Republicans running to challenge uh, to challenge a, a Democrat in that in that race, uh, John, I'll start with you. Uh, talk about that district. Which are you talking about the state Senate? Uh, or state the... state house, fourth 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 legislative district. Uh, this, this is the one with uh, James Chapman, Michael Frazier, James Houston, Beth Socia. Oh. Um... Okay, and who's the Democrat in that race? Uh, I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah, that I gotta look. <laughs> that's how I usually remember these races. I'm sorry, and that's. Uh, um, but you know, uh, this uh, is if, also a district. It's a Senate district, not a House district. Yeah, I was gonna oh, say Senate. It, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. And yeah, that one is. Um, yeah, that's uh, Darren Camilleri, who has been in the state house. He's been in the house um, and he's for running six for six years. Right. Now he's running for Senate. It's a it's a marginally democratic seat, um, and yet there's four people in the Republican side running for it, none of whom have particularly stood out from the rest. Um, and uh, who comes out of the primary for the Republican Party will get a lot of backing from them, um, and it will be an interesting race. But none of them have really stood out yet. Um, I don't see a lot of support for any of the four of them. Um, I haven't seen a lot of them distinguish. And like I said, partly this is one of those things that the candidates have all sort of placed themselves trying to get to the right of the other ones and to the Trumpier of the other ones. Um, yeah. So who comes out of it? I'm not sure. Um, it could be, a, a, you know, 
it could be any of them if, uh, you know, depending on who uh, catches the right group and gets their people out that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, know, Stephen, one of the interesting ones when we talk about these kind of races is uh, District 6 in the state senatorial. Mm -hmm. That was that was next on my list. (laughs) Yes, because it runs from Oakland County through, uh, you know, parts of Wayne County, all the, all the way to Detroit. And you have three people that have been in elected office that are running in that primary. Uh, you have Vicki Barnett, who is yep. uh, the mayor of Farmington Hills. Uh, Daryl Brown, who is a police commissioner uh, for the city of Detroit. And Mary Cavanaugh, who is a, a state representative and, uh, you know, currently represents part of uh, Redford, part of Wayne County that's, that's in there. And uh, it, it's fascinating to me. They all have uh, different issues. And this was part of what the commission did when they cut the lines. They, uh, how, does, how does someone from, you know, let's say Oakland County represent the interest of the city of Detroit and the legislature when they're fighting over appropriations, over money, and where it's supposed to go, and what institutions they think should get the priority for the money and, and things like that. So it, uh, it, I think that there will be a Democrat that comes out of that. But which city they come from will probably go a long way in how they're going to vote in uh, in their caucus or, you know, up in the legislature mm-hmm. uh, for uh, resources that are going to be given. If it's uh, Vicki, uh, she's pretty liberal and I would presume she'd be, you know, sensitive to Detroit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she, you know, is the mayor of Farmington Hills. So they're going to make sure that's a priority. And you have Daryl Brown is going to come from the city of Detroit. Uh, and Mary Cavanaugh, you know, represents Western Wayne County. She's had a few issues, but but uh, she also, uh, you know, would be split on uh, out county versus the city of Detroit. And it shows the way that they've cut these lines. You may have a Democrat there, but it, I, I think overall there's probably going to be some harm that comes to Detroit uh, uh, in, in the way that these lines have been cut. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just not happy with the way the redistricting commission did these anyway. Um, I, part of their idea was if we have a 40% minority district, that counts. And that just doesn't make sense to me. I know they had their theory, but it's just not working out in practice. Look at the congressional seats. Mm-hmm. Um, Shri Thanadar is going to come up with $5 million. Um, the only one who's coming close is Adam Hollier, who is going to, um, he's got you know, get million. a lot of Jewish money because he's not Shri, and um, and because for the same reason that uh, that they're going against Rashida, they're going against Shri, and so he got a late money dump from PACs into his campaign, but. The only one who's really doing much advertising downriver has been Thanadar. Mm-hmm. He's on cable and he's been saturating it. If you're a Democrat downriver, he's the one who Shri is the one you've been hearing from. Yeah, yeah. and that's the one you're voting. Uh, well, for. he's been targeting out Wayne because I think yeah. he feels like the the many African American con- candidates it will split the city vote, right? And that that uh, might be. It'll be decided in in the gross points and in the downriver part of that uh, district, which is, I mean, look, it's smart strategy on his part. But you're right; the way the district is drawn, it kind of courts that. What would have what would have foiled that would have been if uh, if the party, the Democratic Party, could have. Um, encouraged, you know, consolidation of support behind well, an African-American candidate, but I know yeah, how difficult Yeah, but parties really are not in the business of doing that. What you end up with is the African-American community's best hope for a member of Congress is John James. It's going to be John James in, in Macomb. <laughs> to represent Macomb County from Oakland County as a Republican. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know Steve, go, ahead, go ahead, Bob. Go this ahead, is Bob. also going to challenge the adage usually, uh, and it's going to be interesting with Portia Robinson, is that usually African-American females run very well. Yes. In, yes. And especially in primaries. And that's going to be an interesting factor, I think, in, in the uh, 13th District. 
she uh, got a little bit of a late stay, start with organizing, and, and I'm not sure she's uh, with the same money as uh, Shri or uh, Adam Holier. But at this point, uh, it, it's going to—it's the old adage is usually African American females run very well. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting yeah. to see if that holds up. Yeah, Let, let's and go she quickly. Probably has the best resume too. I, I think, yeah. Yeah, and there's no question that uh, she's the, the, I think the most qualified. Uh, candidate for that uh, for that post. Uh, let's go quickly to the phones. Ed in Gross Point, uh, go ahead. Oh, Jesus, Peter, I didn't expect you to get to me so quickly. Yeah, no, uh, uh, <laughs> we've only got about a minute left, too, Ed. So, so quickly right, here, here's the deal. I can't stand the fact that the Republicans have written off the Detroit area. I think it's the twelfth district that this guy's running for, and I don't remember if it's House or Senate. He, there, there's only two people running for the for the spot in, in the primary. All right, and he is so lazy he doesn't put anything out on a campaign at all about what his positions are or anything. Mm-hmm. So what's my choice at that point? I can't be educated on on his stance on anything. So mm-hmm. I have to vote for the other person that actually puts something out because wow. I don't like any of the don't like any of the other people, and I I don't like our governor, and so I'm I don't want her so i gotta vote in the republican primary yeah. and i hate the fact that i can't vote on both sides of the aisle well, for who I, I, want. I i agree with with well, that, that limitation go, go ahead bob i was gonna say that in primaries you can't cross over can't but cross in the over. general you can yeah. i mean you can you can cross over the ballot all you want in there but i mean it's a, it's a matter of numbers too if if you're a, if you're a republican candidate you're going to try to uh, coalesce around outstate because that's where most of the Republican, a lot of the Republicans vote. It used to be Oakland County. Mm-hmm. It used to be parts of Macomb County. But those are turning much more Democratic. And uh, so you go where the votes are, at least for the primary, then you try to shift to the center. Yeah. At least that would be the strategy. And, you know, Steve, one other real quick thing. I mm-hmm. always hear it all the time. They always say, well, business person is the right one to run the, uh, run the office. That's what got us in trouble on, in Flint. It is. It because uh, uh, and uh, Governor Snyder at that point, being a business person, he advocated that in his his elections. But as a business person, you're looking at the spreadsheets, and they keep telling them there's no problem. A politician in the office would have said, you know what, General Motors is not yeah. using the they water. They use the water. We should because it's yeah. corroding the engines. Yeah. A politician would say, I don't care what the spreadsheets right. say. Yeah. Something's wrong here. Yeah, uh, Bob Ficano and John Natman. It was great to have both of you here to break down what's happening in Wayne County. But we are out of time. Thanks, guys, for uh, okay. being with us. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, good. Thank you, John. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we'll talk about status and why humans crave a higher status so badly.